When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We need to break some CEO kneecaps. And I know it sounds terrible. <laughs> Listen, I know. I'm sorry. I'm trying to save the planet. But Jen's going to do it. Scientists are the only ones who will be armed. We make great strong men as well. The Welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Science, the show that breaks down the science of television and movies with a comedian and a scientist. Today we're discussing Don't Look Up, so I'll ask about climate change, comets hitting the earth, and if we can save our planet before rich people and politicians destroy it. Hi everyone, I'm your host Ethan Edinburgh, and I've got two earth-shattering guests joining me today. My first guest is the Spatial Planning Technical Coordinator for the Nature Conservancy's Global Science Team. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Jennifer McGowan. Hi, Ethan. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, thanks for coming back. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Thanks. Okay, good. You're doing better than me because I was researching climate change all morning and losing my shit. <laughs> Imagine living it every day. I can't. You are a hero for dealing with that. Before I introduce our next guest, you, you recently published a paper that focused on protecting life in the ocean. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. So I spend a lot of time looking at um, global priorities for conservation, for biodiversity and for carbon and for food security and benefits to people and livelihoods. And uh, we recently published a big paper with National Geographic on trying to figure out where in the ocean can we meet multiple objectives for food and carbon and fisheries and biodiversity and, um, and do it in a way that's cost effective? Awesome. And where, where's the prime location? Where should we get real estate in the ocean? Everywhere, pretty much. But for the most part, the world right now is oriented uh, under a goal of trying to protect 30% of the oceans. And so a lot of scientists are scrambling around trying to figure out where that should be. See, that's already sad. Like, it should be good news. It sounds optimistic, but 30% sounds way too low. Like, to protect the ocean, I would hope that number was like 80 or higher. It's like, I, I'm cool with us destroying, I guess, like 10 to 15% of the ocean. Yeah, true. And it's really about complementing protection and conservation with just more sustainable industries. And so that's kind of, that picks up some of that additional area in the oceans that I think you're talking about. Okay, good. Well, I'm sure we will get into it. The ocean, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is a big part of the earth, but you can correct me if I'm wrong later on in the pod. Uh, but our second guest is a stand-up comedian who you've seen on Comedy Central, on Hulu, and on Fox. Welcome to the show, Jeff Horst. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. Yeah, after hearing the uh, the... Jen's long list her, her her title is long enough to make me just be like wow being a I'm, I'm a comic like just hearing <laughs> it's and just now so regular comic yeah exactly that's what it feels like where I'm like I, I don't even remember you're, it sounds like you're so uh, knowledgeable about your subjects that you're you're just your job description uh, I can't even remember 
but that's how that's just a credit to you of how much um, how much uh, work you put into and i'm like yep and i tell jokes yeah no offense <laughs> to idiots like us jeff but they deserve the titles they are the real heroes <laughs> trying to save the earth and we're making fun of it i'm happy to be called <laughs> just scientist all right run-of-the-mill scientist <laughs> what a humble thing if you can abbreviate your d- job description to if you can lower it down to scientist if you can uh, yeah you can just call me scientist for short <laughs> middle of the road uh your neighborly scientist dr jennifer mcgowan joining us today um so jeff you also have a podcast called we're freaking out mm-hmm. that recently had an episode about don't look up is that correct yeah, we were a little late to to posting it, but uh, but we we recorded it a, a, a couple of days after uh, after the sh- after the movie came out. We watched it and uh, and did an episode about it. So, any wild revelations from that pod? You got a you got a headline for me? Uh, no, it it was just you know our take in the movie, and you know we both uh, really liked it. You know, me and my girlfriend, uh, she's a comic as well. We 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 took a lot from it, and so. It, it was interesting to hear so many uh, different people's uh, opinions on people just so passionate on their side of whether the movie was good or bad was just so interesting to me. Do you find and and since you're you know out and about doing live shows, this might be you know an appropriate question, but I think people just want to be outspoken and passionate about anything, even if they're not. Yeah, they, it's very rare you meet somebody that's like. Yeah, the movie was fine. Like, that just kind of yeah. doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Maybe it's because it's also the world we're in with uh, with comedians, but I feel like, uh, especially comedians, they just feel like they have to have an opinion on every yeah. thing that happens, whether it's a political issue or uh, just a celebrity breakup. I feel like there's the, the wave of comics on, you know, on Facebook and social media that are like, all right, here's my public statement. I want everybody to know how I feel about it. And it's like, you don't have to have an opinion. It's all right. You don't have to. And if you have one, it doesn't have to be zero or ten. There's yeah. a bunch of numbers in yeah. between there, actually. Yeah. You can like a movie and still find, you know, issue and have some issues with it. You can, yeah. you know. Jen, do you find that in the in the science community? is, is Are they following the trend? Or do you guys actually have, like, intellectual conversations about, like, oh, yeah, I thought it was, you know, here's what I found wrong. Here's what I liked. Um, I think that scientists are maybe a little bit more comfortable with nuance mm. than than many other people because we're usually looking at data and we realize that the world is not, you know, black and white. It's not yeah. zero to ten. It's not pick a team. <laughs> that there's a there's right. informed conversations <laughs> to be had looking at evidence and the world is complicated and complex, you know, and and opinions can be too. So. Yeah, that's awesome. See, that's why, Jeff, they deserve those long, intricate yeah. titles. You yeah. know, they're really looking at the, you know, specific mm-hmm. breaking things up. It's the it's the best way to see the world. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so before we get into, I have a lot of science questions to bring up. I have a lot of dreadful climate change stuff. So before all that, I thought we would do an upbeat, fun-filled climate trivia game. How does that sound? Let's give it a I, shot. I guess who if it's between me and Jen, I have a I mean I can guess who's gonna do better, but uh I hope Jen does better as well, just for her sake okay. in her profession. There's, there's no way Let me just qualify this though. Let me qual I am not a climate scientist. So Sure, sure, sure. But you are a scientist. Sure. All right. You you're a self proclaimed scientist, so that's, that's on right. you. 
Uh, okay, so Jeff, why don't you give your answers first? That way uh, you're not biased. Sure, that's fair. Okay, so as we all prepare for this hot, hot summer that's approaching, can you name me mm-hmm. the hottest five years of all time? The hottest no. five years on record. <laughs> um, the hottest. I have to list all five. Yeah, take a guess. I'm assuming. I'm assuming it would be uh, the the five most recent. Uh, Absolutely correct. Guess, no I, need I'd... for you to answer, Jen. That's right. <laughs> a thousand well, percent. Well, it felt like a trick question. <laughs> it's not. Oh man, the I'm last gonna... <laughs> five years have been the hottest. Speaking of uh, things that are hot, hot, hot. This is fun. We're all having fun. How many acres of land were burned by wildfires in 2021? If this was on a test, I'd leave it. I would just leave it blank. Well, if you leave it blank, you're definitely going to get it wrong. A hundred? A thousand? Like, I'm. The more I talk, the more dumb I'm going to sound for this question. A thousand. A thousand is the guess. I'll round the one that's closer. I'm a really nice teacher. All right. Uh, oh, thank you. A thank thousand you acres much. were burned, uh, is Jeff's guess, by wildfires in 2021. Uh, Dr. McGowan. Qualifier. Are we talking about globally or are we talking about in the United States? I believe this is globally, but I do not have confirmation. Um, I'm not an actual teacher. I I would go higher than that. I'd say at least an order of magnitude higher. So I'm going to say maybe a a hundred thousand or more. I really have no idea. A very good guess. The answer is two million, guys. (laughs) Two million acres burned. It was like Price is Right, where I was just like, is it? <laughs> it I, I didn't know. Okay. This isn't, oh, see, this wow. isn't, this isn't fun for me. <laughs> what? We're all having fun. This is a blast. You knew that I was way off, though. Like, you oh, knew, yeah. Jen, you're like, all right, we got to go higher than that. What the heck is he doing? Yeah, you're so actually you're, informing you're, her responses, which I did not predict. <laughs> okay, last one, last one. Okay. It's been five years since the Paris Climate Agreement went into effect. How many of the world's major economies are on track to keep global warming below 1.5 degrees Celsius uh, above pre-industrial levels? None? Absolutely a thousand percent correct. Again, Jeff, (laughs) it is zero. (laughs) None. Well done, Jeff. Besides the more like obvious goals of the the apparently optional Paris Climate Agreement, uh, climate literacy is included on that, and countries really drop the ball here, apparently. Uh, climate literacy is supported by like a integrated K-12 through curriculum, uh, is needed to prepare youth with an understanding of the climate crisis and skills to create solutions, and yet not one country has thoroughly addressed this issue. And, uh, and I thought you would have a, a stance on that, Dr. McGowan. How do you, how do you feel about this? I am, well, certainly, of course, saddened um, by that, but I'm also not surprised by it. And I think that we fail. It's not really just in climate science, climate change, but also just the natural world, the biodiversity crisis, which is so interlinked with climate change and the climate crisis. We're just fundamentally ignoring how important um, educating people are. And it's, and it's not K through 12. It's everybody. I, I have a lot of friends that are not in science. And when I talk about what I do, it's sort of like, Oh, you're such a bummer. You know, Jen, like, do we really, (laughs) do we really have to talk about like more threatened species or like how my 
hamburger is, you know, responsible for the destruction of the Amazon. Um, and so it is, it is a burden, uh, that needs to be shared. So I am fully yes. advocate for that burden being shared by every single human on the planet. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's a really important component of, of the climate change dialogue. And I think that if people, you know, I do think that climate change just as a term has become more widely accepted. I think most countries now recognize what it is and generally what it means if you were to pull people on the streets. But a, a formal understanding, a true understanding of how humans are impacting the planet, I think, is something that is just widely neglected across the board. Yeah. Well, uh, on a positive note, I really just want to congratulate Jeff for winning that trivia game. Uh you got two out of three. That's incredible. So congratulations, buddy. We're going to be sending a, a, an award to your house. Thank you. Yeah. So what's your address? Just say it live on the podcast. <laughs> no, um, I, I totally hear you. I love how you're putting it as far as sharing the burden, um, which, by the way, speaking of Don't Look Up, and I want to get your take on the film, Jen, but they have a website that's like in collaboration with the movie that has a bunch of great information where you guys can sign up for stuff and it's don't look up dot count us in dot com. So definitely just wanted to, you know, plug that and have you guys uh, uh, check it out. But, um, but yeah, when did you first see the movie and, and what did you think of it, Jen? Um, well, I first watched it, I think, because it was circulating through my networks, uh, you know, as this sort of parody on climate change. And it was providing a lot of comfort and solace of like, we feel seen energy to the science community. Uh, so I watched it a couple of weeks ago. And that's why I was pitching it for this, because I think it is it's interesting. And that website is really great. And I think that, you know, it isn't all doom and gloom. Right. And so we can absolutely turn this into a positive conversation about things that you can do to help this this situation but the uh the website has something that says like you know this is a the film is a love letter to scientists on it and i thought well that's true and really sweet but i also think it's just a love letter to you know anyone in society that's become fairly misanthropic you know because of the polarized political climate and like distraction culture and the absurdity of social media and the perils of capitalism. And so I think that it resonates across more than just science, across all dimensions of our society and just appreciate the sort of um, comedic exaggerations that the movie offers to uh, call focus to just sort of how ridiculous things have gotten. Yes. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that that aspect of it made me really happy too that they were able to combine all of these elements in a comedy movie mm -hmm. and have it be really successful because I think it also opens the door right to now hopefully more movies that can involve these issues um, because you know Hollywood won't trust you if you make a movie about something and it fails then they're like okay no more of yeah. those for 10 years yeah, no more <laughs> so yeah and I think I, people I, people are looking at the uh, you know I think the ambivalence and the denialism right that's happening and it's 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 not just climate change i think it's also COVID. and so i think that you could insert multiple things into what is this movie you know symbolizing yes. the human response to mm -hmm. um, and i think that that also makes it saying i don't know if you thought it was a climate change movie when you first saw it or if you knew that because you had done some research i did not i went into it cold but i did kind of get pretty quickly that that's what was going on 
Same here. Yeah, I I didn't know for a fact uh, really much about the movie before I watched it. And I think that kind of allowed me to enjoy it a little bit more than the... I think that just too many people uh, can put so high of expectations. If everybody on social media says something's good, then some people are watching it with a, well, prove to me uh, type of an attitude instead of just enjoying it for what it is. But uh, yeah, no, I I saw a a lot of things. Uh, You know, climate change was definitely the first thing that... I felt like you can make a comparison to, uh, but then between the pandemic and just society at large at wanting to uh, just reject information that makes them feel bad. Right. uh, (laughs) To go along with what you were saying earlier uh, of how your friends can be like, come on, you're such a bummer. You know, I know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, we're not going to have fish in 20 years. Do you have to bring it up? It's like, well, kind of. If we don't bring it up. I thought they hit the nail on the head as far as the issue in the movie, which is, you know, that the media doesn't care, essentially, that they're just on to the next celebrity story or sports or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. However, I I really relate with what you're saying, Jen, as far as making it a positive conversation instead of a negative, because there are a lot of really cool things that we can do, you know, if we just kind of all get on the same page about it which is odd because I was also researching like, oh, what is what does society as a whole think about this? And we are actually way more aligned than I thought. It's just that we're not represented mm. properly in Congress, for mm. example, where I've got some really terrible news. There's apparently <laughs> 139 elected officials in our 117th Congress. Uh, that's 109 representatives and 30 senators who still deny the scientific consensus of human-caused climate change. And so they're, on average, they're making like $400,000 in donations from, you know, the fossil fuel industry. And so they're very motivated to not pass any legislation that actually helps us. But when I say us, I'm you know, I'm not talking about Democrats. I'm talking about all of us as far as Americans are concerned. We want climate change legislation. It seems that like two thirds of us mm-hmm. want more aggressive uh, legislation there. So I'm sure that's really aggravating for uh, for you and your community. Right, Jen? Well, yeah, I mean, the impacts of climate change are not partisan. Right. So it doesn't you don't have to search very far before you see, you know, farmers being affected by droughts and people having their you know homes destroyed by tornadoes. I mean, you can turn on the news at any point in time and somewhere in the world there's a flood or a cyclone or a hurricane or a landslide or a fire or, you know, a massive catastrophic natural disaster. And um there are things that we can be doing about it. And I think that that's the sort of, it's the denialism of the science is one thing, but inaction from leadership is another. And we are seeing a lot of changes though. And so I I do think that coming off of the last COP, so you mentioned the Paris Agreement, the last conference of the parties, which is, you know, happens every year and countries leaders come together and delegations and they agree on what they're willing to commit. And so part of that is, is signing on to emissions reductions, uh, some of it is financing. Um, All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go back to the show about science. There was a lot of momentum out of Glasgow. And so I think we are seeing some positive changes, maybe now more than ever before. 
which is really exciting. And there are some some good policies coming forward in the United States, which I think are going to be potentially game changing. But I Great. also need to shout out the private sector because industry has really stepped up mm. their game with respect to caring about climate, making it a part of their risk assessments for mm. investments and their businesses. And those are we need we need it coming from all angles. So we need private sector, we need public sector, we need individuals. There's a great uh, book called Project Drawdown, which is practical solutions to drawing emissions out of the environment. And they say that individual actions taken collectively can can impact almost 30 percent of the emissions wow. that we mm. actually need taken out of of the atmosphere to meet our 2030 and 2050 goals. That's incredible if we're still alive. Now, instead of... Uh being super depressive i i let's concentrate on some of these things that we can do i love that let's try and be optimistic hopeful let's make some plans right what are i i have a little list but i don't know what is more impactful than what so are there things mm. that you tell your bummed out friends when they're insulting you that you know uh, can actually help i for, for me personally i think that diet the choices that you make uh, are very, very powerful, right? And so I mentioned the hamburger destroying the Amazon, but that's actually true, right? We are cutting down the Amazon. We're destroying forests so that we can raise cattle to, to feed our meat consumption. I'm not a vegetarian, you know, but I, I try to, when I can, make very smart choices about eating local, eating grass-fed products, you know, animal products. And so I think that diet, I think that transportation I think there are very practical things you can do every day. You know, do I carry around a metal straw in my purse because I don't want plastic to be in the ocean killing trip? Like, no, but I do try and minimize my waste. And I think that recycling and, and waste reduction is really important and just trying to get out of the consumer culture as much as possible. But certainly I do think that diet and transit, you know, how often you're driving your car, can you carpool a little bit more often? Those really do add up to significant changes at scale. And I, and I think when you talk about diet, that goes into the sacrifice as well to where it's the more uh, the, the, the increase of vegans. Uh, it's, I mean, it's easier, obviously, out in Hollywood but, uh, and, and in L.A., you know, in some places in the country. But uh, the more that it's commercially available, you know, it, it's the more that people are more willing to, 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 to think about not having, uh, to, to have a beyond burger instead of a cow, uh, directly, you know, it, mm -hmm. it, it makes it a lot of, the more that people are just have the convenience of it. Uh, it's like, it's like we have to meet, it's like the, it's like society has to meet people halfway of like, all right, I'll do a good thing, but can you, can you put it directly in front of me and make yeah. it cheap? I need it to and... my door. I need it to it taste yeah. exactly the same. I need it. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. as a vegan, people will argue with me a lot. I don't even argue with other people as much as they argue with me. I feel <laughs> like that's what happens is they like try to pick the, the battle. And uh, there's a lot of times where people will say, oh, this tastes different. And I'm like, does it taste good? And they're like, it tastes different. And I'm like, does it taste good? Where, <laughs> your is question acceptable? is the wrong one. <laughs> yeah, does it taste good? If it tastes good, it doesn't have to be a direct mirror image. I don't know why you have to have a... All right, I'm rambling. How long have you been vegan and was the, you know, your carbon footprint or the environment a part of your decision? Uh, I was vegan in like the beginning of 2019. 
Um, so for a few years now, uh, I, I started to hear more about the carbon footprint, um, after, but originally the decision was just for like, uh, uh, more towards the treatment of the animals directly. Yeah. And then from that, then there's so many other documentaries, uh, that would talk about just, you know, just how much cow poop is destroying the planet. <laughs> like, it's just like, and then I'm like, wow, there's really a lot of reasons to go vegan that have nothing to, you know, to do with what some people think the, the reason might be. Weird tangent back to the film that just, just got triggered was the um, Steven Seagal. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say Steven Seagal in relation to I don't. Film? I just get excited whenever I hear Steven Seagal's name. <laughs> yeah, who doesn't get excited for Steven Seagal? I, I mean, no matter what. <laughs> really, I know. So uh, he's he's a really staunch animal rights activist. Oh, wow. And he is in my one of the favorite things about the film that I just loved is the cutaways. And there's a cutaway when they first enter into the yeah. Oval Office of the president, like side side by side with Steven Seagal. And it zooms in on this picture of Meryl Streep as the president with Steven Seagal. And I just thought, of course, you know, I mean, yeah. why not? Who doesn't love Steven Seagal? <laughs> it's the reaction that everyone gives. Yep. And fun fact is that he's been making like direct to uh, video action films in Russia, like multiple a year wow. for the last decade. And we're going to have to Seagal binge. <laughs> yeah, we're going on a Seagal month next <laughs> month, I guess. Uh, and is he like he's making contributions to animal rights organizations or? I, what's oh, the... yeah, I think so. I think he's a he's a PETA ambassador. He's wow. also now a Russian citizen. So Interesting. there's that. I mean, honestly, it doesn't sound too crazy, knowing what I know about Seagal. That seems to fit, actually. So maybe you can find one of his uh, B-direct-to-market action films for one of your podcasts, Ethan. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I'm sure that'll be no problem. Uh, tune in next week for that, actually. Um, okay, so I was reading... I, was, I thought maybe you could weigh in on this a little bit because I did not know about this kind of stuff. But I was reading that there are, you know, these sensible solutions like phasing out fossil fuels that have been spoken about and tried, you know, mapped out for years, but that most of it gets sidelined as of late for these untested carbon dioxide removal technologies. Can you tell me about that at all? Probably not the specifics of it, but what I can say is, so carbon capture is a technological solution. And so you might see kind of big oil companies talk about, you know, new carbon capture technologies, and that's how they're greening their industry. Um, I think that we need that. Yes, we need technological innovation. Is it going to be the solution in and of itself? No. Um, what people forget to realize is that nature itself is actually one of the best resources that we have to draw emissions out of the environment. And so if we could just stop clearing the Amazon and like stop paving over wetlands, you know, for parking lots and strip malls, and we can do better land management, we could solve a lot of this using nature, which provides multiple benefits for society, for food, for people, for climate. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's, it's not just technological fixes. It's not just shifting away from fossil fuels. We need all of that and a deeper investment in protecting nature and biodiversity. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from what I've gathered uh, from these 
brilliant, brave scientists that have come on the program, forests will grow back. For if you kind of if you leave them alone enough, they will grow and spread and and save our lives. So yeah, it seems like deforestation is a huge component here, which gets overlooked as well. Yeah, it's sort of a double whammy, right? Because you're losing the nature, you're losing your your carbon sink, but you're also releasing new carbon into the um, environment. Mm. So one of the global goals right now is is basically this idea of net zero emissions by 2050. And so that's that's in place so that we don't go over two degrees Celsius, which is sort of the parallel, I suppose, to the asteroid, right? Mm -hmm. Mm. The asteroid, there was six months lead time. We have around until the middle of the century. And I would say... In the window of time in the film where there was enough time to actually take some action before things got pretty inescapable, that's the next decade. So I think we have around 10 years. What mm. we do collectively as a human society in the next 10 years will determine the fate of the planet. That's that's actually good to hear because yeah. I read that there's five years before the Amazon rainforest and a large Antarctic ice sheet pass irreversible tipping points. So we're in, we're still in the first like half of the movie right now. <laughs> Except we 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 know what to do with climate change, right? We're not we're not caught off guard on this one at all. Like we definitely know what to do. We just need the commitment and the will and it does feel like the world is still doing a little bit of sit tight and assess. You know, which is the response the mm -hmm. response to the asteroid. Yeah, we're still right. sort yeah. of in that, but we recognize we have to start paying attention to the scientists. I feel like the corporations that want to get in on this and help just seem to it, only if it I feel like they still want to make money. I feel like they still don't want to sacrifice enough. They're like, OK, sure. well, if it, it, like Starbucks will look will I look good? I'll look good if I'm going green and I'm helping the environment and not having straws. I'm going to use that as a brand uh, management thing to make me look positive. And even if it still has positive effects, so we should take what we can get, I feel like if that's different than somebody who is just trying to help just for the sake of helping without any, like, do I still look good? Right. Does this, are people still going to buy my coffees if I say that I'm helping a turtle? Yeah, we need like some sort of regulation, like regulatory committee that's so hardcore. We need like a super secret, <laughs> like a secret service. Like FDA. an Avengers. Yes, like an Avengers <laughs> for like staying, like actually keeping your promises when you say like, we're going to do this and this emissions, we're going to go green in this way. And it's like, okay, but if you don't by next month, you know, we'll blow up your house. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go, back to the show about science. And I know that's extreme, but I think we're in extreme times. Like if we don't have that, no one's keeping you in check. Like if you're my manager and you tell me you got to get these reports done by Friday, but heads up, I will not check. I can't guarantee you I'm going to get those reports done. Yeah, especially when nobody else is, is getting the reports done. <laughs> and I think that's the comparison is that everybody else is like, well, why, sh why should I give up something if other people don't have to? Right. I'm watching and all my coworkers no throw their reports in the garbage. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to do them now? And then I feel crazy. Yeah. I'm the yeah. only one that cares about this report. And my boss is off in Bermuda. The guy doesn't care. Anyway, so I, I just feel like that's that's huge, too. And, and I don't ever see that get talked about where it's like, where are the consequences? Where are the people? Where's the FBI mm -hmm. type people that are coming in and busting down it, doors? 
especially because finding a business is so like depending on the business is so right not even worth it. like it's like finding walmart what what do you, you know how much money they make it doesn't mean anything to the, those aren't real consequences we need to break some ceo kneecaps and i know it sounds terrible <laughs> listen i know it sounds mafia-esque i'm sorry i'm trying to save the planet but jen's gonna do it scientists are the only ones who will be armed we make great strong men as well I think you're right. Yeah. Accountability is a huge issue and we haven't really gotten our heads around it. And so with self-accountability is happening, but to what degree there is no real watchdog. I mean, there are organizations that are out there trying to raise awareness that look at these reports and do identify gaps in reporting and where things have been done. But there is no criminal court necessarily for, you know, climate pollution. Yeah. Science jail. <laughs> that's what we need i'm sorry it's true yeah so god open up a science jail mcgowan please I'll, work on it. I'll see what i can do um but yeah these these big kind of you know these huge events that come around they're voluntary as you mentioned in the very beginning and so it's hard to know but there are some interesting things that have happened recently in the legal system so one is that the international okay. criminal court has added ecocide and 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 environmental oh. crimes against humanity is something that they can now we're talking prosecute and i don't know that there's a case and i don't know that they will have the resources to actually do this um or uh. if it's the right vehicle that's fit for purpose to doing this because they are really supposed to be prosecuting people who have committed crimes against humanity um but that is encouraging and that just happened and also we're seeing a lot more um kind of constitutional amendments that are giving human rights to aspects of nature and recognizing more traditional ecological knowledge and allowing nature to have a place to exist just in and of itself. And I think that those are very encouraging things as well. Yeah, they are encouraging. I just hate when I read encouraging news and then the asterisk and small fine print is like, but no one's going to actually enforce this. It's the environment. <laughs> it's the environment. So come on. I mean, I suppose in a way it's, it's why, it's why our vote counts, right? Like we have to be changing the, the, the makeup of Congress. We have to be holding people to account. And yes. as you saw in the film, you know, that's what matters to them. Like they will, they, politicians will go with where their votes tell them to go. And so yeah. votes matter. And that's another thing that you can do as an, as an individual is just engage engage in the political process. I love that. And I, I actually read a great quote from a, a scientist today that, that she was saying, basically, call, you know, you can always call your congressman and yell at them or leave a voicemail yelling at them because it also just makes you feel better. It's very cathartic when you're reading all of this, you know, all the stats. It's like when you get really pissed off, that's the person to call and yell at. So mm. I encourage everybody to do that. If you want, record it, send it to me. I'll play it on the podcast happily. Um, that sounds really fun. Uh, and I also wanted to get this on the record here because I kept coming across this type of uh, topic and it really was upsetting me. There's some tech schmucks, uh, CEOs, I mean. It's an official term. Yeah. Oh. Uh, sorry, I guess I messed that up. Uh, they've made statements essentially insinuating that if Earth doesn't work out, we can always move to Mars. <laughs> so I'd like to give you the opportunity to comment on that so that I don't have to. I'm not a scientist. That's the that's the end of the film, isn't it? I mean, we see how that works out. 
as a not scientist to interrupt real quick, I've always just gone insane when I hear that because it's like it, if you simplify it and you're like, okay, we could stop killing cows. And then other people are like, no, I, I, it's easier to live in Mars <laughs> than it is to not kill a cow. It's just insane. Why is why do people think vegans are extreme when the opposite side is like, let's recreate life on another planet? Who's more extreme here? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's crazy. The go to Mars situation is just. I just wanted to make sure we we weighed in on that because I couldn't believe that there was actually multiple people putting that information yeah. out there. Um, and then uh, what about comets hitting the Earth? You know anything about that? Are we in trouble, like legitimately from a comet hitting the Earth anytime soon? I would say the probability is not zero. Okay. Oh! <laughs> that was not a sound effect. That was Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I'm not I'm not playing drop. Not zero. I would say it's not zero. I would say that there's probably some very, very small probability, infinitesimally small, that we might get. Okay. We probably don't have to worry NASA, about it. NASA NASA would be the ones to uh to answer that question. But I would okay. also assume that they would say not zero. Okay. <laughs> very cool. So we'll keep that in mind as just like an extra extra shitty news of the day is that also we might get hit by a comet which is cool a little little cherry on top of this sunday um so i wanted to shout out and and i wanted to open it up to you guys as well i know we've been talking about things that we we can do um i wanted to just shout out global citizen everybody check that organization out i think they're doing incredible work sign yourself up it takes literally two seconds put your email in um but uh, but yeah if there's anything else i mean i use a a, a uh, water bottle and uh, instead of you know a reusable water bottle instead of plastic water bottles but i don't know if there's any life hacks you guys want to throw out please you have the you have the table here i don't know about life hacks but i will also promote a, an instagram group called future earth because they do something called good news tuesdays and if you do feel like you're in despair around what's going on in the world around you and you do want to see some positive stories for climate and nature uh, the Good News Tuesdays is my feel-good moment for the week. And so shout out to the Future Earth crew. Okay. Excellent. So that's at Future Earth on Instagram. That is cool. Uh, Jeffrey? I'm doing the water bottle thing too, I guess. You know, besides that and being vegan. Um, uh, you know, I I guess my... I would have more... Que I still have more questions of things to, to, to help. Oh, go ahead. I'm going off topic. Please, uh, kick it. I've, I always hear... So for like... Of just the of how I'm, I've always curious how much recycling the impact of recycling because mm. I always hear different sides of like recycling is really just throwing just organizing our trash that's like one side where I hear people say eh, just putting our trash over there it doesn't really do anything and then I hear of like oh do you see how organized they are in Germany they got seven different types of trash cans in every street corner uh, to organize their trash and so I'm just curious what you know your knowledge is of the impact of recycling um, and what we could do differently for it. Yeah. I mean, I am a product of the eighties. And so I actually believe that those early campaigns around reduce, reuse and recycle that came through my elementary school, that's like where my awareness began around the planet mm -hmm. and recycling and, and, and feeling like it was an empowering thing to do. Um, I still do. 
I prefer to try and eliminate the waste from the source by just consuming less, to mm. be honest. Um, and so if I have to make a choice between mm. in the grocery store, you know, just taking some some potatoes or buying the one in the plastic bag, I will choose the ones without the plastic bag. So I try to make the the, the choices up front. But then, of course, of course, I recycle. Of course, I'm happy that it's there. In North America, generally, our trash ends up in the landfill where it's supposed to to go, right? I think that recycling and waste management issues are much stronger in other places in the world, particularly around Southeast Asia. I think that there's, you know, a, a massive need to kind of just globally recheck this idea of the single use economy. Um, and so I try when I can. But it's it's hard. I mean, the the system is definitely not stacked in favor of not being a single use economy. And so you have to, again, it's this convenience thing where you have to make sure you've got your water bottle, but then you might not even be able to find a place to fill it up. And so we have a long way to go, I think, in dealing with proper waste management. But I think it all starts with where we are and where we sit as consumers from the moment we wake up every day. Well said. Um, I, I also wanted to shout out the book that I believe motivated Adam McKay to write this movie. Um, he said he couldn't sleep for three nights after reading The Uninhabitable Earth, Life After Warming by David Wallace Wells. I have not read it. I think that would probably be too much for me to handle. I'm fragile, fragile boy. Um, but, uh, but if you want to, you know, if you're interested in the topic and you want to go down that rabbit hole, please be my guest. Let me know how it goes. Um, I thank you both so much for, for watching the movie, for being on the show uh, our returning guest, Dr. Jennifer McGowan, uh, anything else you'd like to, to plug, tell people about, please do. Um, well, I would definitely advocate for checking out Project Drawdown. It's a really great book for practical solutions to climate change. Um, and, you know, it all starts with educating yourself. It's not always easy to do, but it's really important. And understanding your power as a consumer can change the planet. So um, I would just encourage everybody to, to try and find sources that can give them better tips, listen to podcasts, learn about how our actions uh, impact the wee little beasties of the planet, as well as this, uh, this thing called Earth that we all sort of need to stick around. I'll uh, note that was sarcastic, sort of. Uh, <laughs> we definitely need this planet, not to correct a scientist. And, uh, and Jeff Horst, where can people find you, see you? What's up? Uh, hey, I'm on all social media at uh, Jeff Horst, J-E-F-F-H-O-R-S-T-E. Uh, that's a website, is firstlastname.com, jeffhorst.com. And uh, all my upcoming shows, uh, I got some upcoming shows in the Los Angeles area uh, this uh, in, the, in the month of February. Um, and uh, I'll, you know, I update it with whatever, wherever I'm, wherever I'll be seen. Okay, great. And not to correct uh, both guests, but that's not firstandlastname.com. Don't go there. It's just yeah, his yeah. name. As I said it, I was like, that didn't It's jeffhorse.com. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yep. <laughs> that's it. Solid correction. No, I'm just looking out for the two of you, and uh, and I just hope everybody looks out for the entire earth. We all need each other. Uh, so thank you really so much for, for being on the show, and I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you.